Thank you for joining us for Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment, and you're tuned into CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. And this evening, I have Andrew Middleton, who is the CEO of Shift, which was formerly Atlantic Youth. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So uh, just I want to provide our listeners with kind of an idea of who you are. So can you give us kind of um, an overview of your journey? How did you get to where you are as a CEO of Shift? <laughs> Accidental, uh, <laughs> tripped and fell. No, um, uh, I, I mean, predominantly I'm a, I identify as a child and youth care worker and I've, uh, I think that it's been a really organic journey as that, starting off, um, you know, working with kids. I think, you know, fundamental days as a, lifeguard in Lunenburg County, right? And uh, <laughs> find your way to uh, Upper Canada and working in residential care and working in group care and um, a desire to do things a bit differently and a desire to um, think a bit outside the box and incorporate mm -hmm. a little bit more uh, spontaneity and fun elements into, um, in, into our work and into what we do uh, led, you know, led me to wanting to open up my own business. Did that, and seven years ago, um, and now we're here, uh, and it's been a, been a long slog of entrepreneurialism, which I'm sure you know well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as long for me, but yes, I get the slog. <laughs> yeah, it's a long slog. Um, uh, but no, I think that we find ourselves now in an opportunity to do some really cool things and work nationally, and we're looking internationally, and um, and all in focusing on on where we can intentionally create experiences that will affect change with people personally. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a huge range from, um, you know, like this past year we ran uh, programming in all of the after-school programs with HRSB, which is, you know, the littles and seven, eight, nine-year-olds and just sweet kids and <laughs> using Having Lego. Fun. Yeah, uh, all the way to running the most northern residential youth group home in the world um, up in the Western Arctic. Um, and we've been privileged to work with some corporate groups and work with uh, families and providing respite care um, in and around Nova Scotia and, and now into New Brunswick. We're actually providing some support in Moncton. Mm -hmm. um, so it continues to grow and we continue to uh, find new innovative ways to see, uh, frankly, some gray areas where people are just not having their needs met mm. um, and then being able to respond to that, but also doing so in a really creative and fun way, which mm -hmm. makes life interesting. Mm. So originally, you know, you were in the child and youth care job cycle, but you didn't get your child and youth care worker diploma till later in life. Is I'm that? Cart, cart before the horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's why I say I kind of tripped and fell with it. They, they, mm. I actually, the crossover for me, I was a lifeguard at a young offender facility and that's yeah. really where, and I'm, this is radio, so you can't see me, but I'm, I'm six, four and a bit. And, and I walked in there and they were like, okay, you're not just going to be a lifeguard. And so I actually became the lifeguard goon, which I, which I hated. Yeah. Um, you would hate that. I hated that job. Um, but it got me into understanding youth care and working with some more challenging kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and from there it just, it started a career path that, I think I've, I, I felt really at home with, um, and 
I, I moved it to Montreal shortly thereafter, uh, and that's really where I, I kind of gained an identity as a youth care worker, which is kind of hilarious because they're not even known as youth care workers <laughs> in Montreal. They're no. educators. But, um, no, you, you started to get exposed to the national um, scene. I think you and I, I don't even know what conference you and I met at, but I, I, I certainly started to meet people from, and I gravitated towards the Nova Scotians because they were always having the best time. <laughs> of course. Um, but at the national youth care conference scene, and that's it really just kind of felt, like I, you know, like I'd sort of found my calling, and um, and I I met Kelly Shaw from Nova Scotia Community College in, in the Winnipeg conference, and I remember she telling about her, my program, and we were planning on moving home at that point in time, and I said I think I know exactly what step one is going to be, which is to go <laughs> back in time and get the college diploma in child youth care, which I did yeah. as a much older student than my classmates. But you you loved it. I did, I did actually, and it it you know it reaffirmed things that I was doing. And I had a good friend who said, you, you know, you've been doing things your way, but you need to go find the theory that backs backs up. up. Yeah. And I started to learn about relational practice and I started to learn about that sort of way. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is how we are. And, Mm -hmm. uh, the circle of courage through reclaiming youth international, like that was, that really appealed to me about forming a sense of belonging right at the beginning. And that's inherent to, a lot of things that we do and certainly is fundamental to our residential care programs. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, in regards to going to uh, the Nova Scotia community college later in life and taking the child and youth care program, I'd be interested in knowing what it was that you learned regarding your self-awareness and your stress and strategies to maintain your mental health. Because again, you kind of took a different journey than most. You were in the field and then you attained your education. Um, So what did that look like for you, having that self-awareness piece and the foundation of child and youth care work and relationship being brought to you? Did that change the way you, one, perceived self and looked after self? It The biggest thing and if Kelly Shaw is listening, she's going to smile at this one, but it, <laughs> it is to be aware of people's experience of you. And, and I think that that's foundational in our field and foundational mm-hmm. to people who work in the helping profession in general, um, that it's, it's always fundamental. It's not necessarily about what we're doing, but it's how we're making people feel and it's mm-hmm. how they are experiencing us. And it's, and it's a um, an aspect that I, I don't know that I'd always really been as aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I kind of just do my own thing, and I've always been that way. And I'd, I'd you know, like I'm the type of guy who'd walk into a, a, a strange school, a strange <laughs> classroom that I'd never been in before, and I wouldn't even wait for the grade five teacher to say like, okay, class, here is like I would just walk in and say, hey, everybody, and I when we and we take over and yeah. um, and we get because I would just wanted to get going right and 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 get to the sort of the meat and potatoes of it but um when you sort of step back and you think okay what is the full spectrum and the full experience of me and how does my temperament and how i am being able to process what's going on in my day and how Mm. how is that impacting the people's experience of me and it's not so much about what we do um and Tom Garfett has a great line, and I've used this in a lot of training sessions. It's it's how you are, who you are, when you do what you do. Oh, geez, you're doing good to blow Bring, that one off. <laughs> yeah, but that's and and I've said it a few 
a few times, which is why I can say it, but that's what's imperative is that that's really where the foundation of who you are as a practitioner and who we are as helping professionals and who we are as human beings when we interact mm -hmm. with people. It's not what we do. It's, it's who we are or how we are, who we are when we do what yeah. we do. Um, and that was a lesson that I got out of um, my time at NSCC and, uh, and it really impacted me professionally and personally and certainly allowed us, I think, is to, to move forward and move the needle forward with our, with our company. Yeah. And I love how you said that it's not, it wasn't just the uh, professional change, it was the personal change as well, because it is always constant, us engaging with other. Mm -hmm. and, and so in regards to, and I, I know this is your personality, but stress. So are you somebody or were you predominantly... I guess, affected by stress prior to taking the course and getting that broader awareness? I, I don't know that I've ever, I've never really been a stressed out individual. <laughs> I know, it drives I, me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can, uh, you know, I kind of just deal with things um, as as they come. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a, I don't know if it's a softening or a gentling of, of humans as we get older. You know, you lose the, I can, you know, I can do everything mm -hmm. and, and do it yesterday. Um, you know, like when you are, when you're in your early twenties, right. And yeah, as yeah. you get older, you get, but I, I've never really been one to get, um, stressed and, and maybe even to a fault where you, you tend to minimize things sometimes <laughs> and say like, it'll be okay. Don't worry. It'll, you know, the, yeah. the water's only up to my neck. You know, I can still breathe. <laughs> and um, I'm six, four, yeah. <laughs> God forbid everybody else. But <laughs> uh, Yeah. But, but certainly I guess I, I, you know, when we talk about how you handle, stress and, and awareness, um, of mindfulness and awareness of, um, you know, how you treat yourself. And, you know, I, I started to recognize that I needed to do things a little bit differently. And, you know, I started running and I started, you know, going for walks and, um, mm. you know, taking more time to, to just stop. Yeah. Um, and part of when you're a guy like me, part of the the upside is you get a lot accomplished in the day and you come up with a lot of creative <laughs> ideas, but the downside is that it never really shuts off. Yeah. So you have to program those moments to, to shut off in your day. And, and that's, that's part of, um, you know, maintaining well-being in your own, in your own head. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing when to turn it off and move on to something else. It's not always easy. Sometimes no. it's easier than, um, you know, like, uh, meditation. I, the, attempted that a few times it's not easy because i you know all of a sudden there's something like you're picturing some random cartoon from the <laughs> 80s or something in your head that suddenly filters yeah. in and so it is a lot about training and training your yourself and training your routine to be aware of where you're at mm -hmm. um and and i i filter that through the lens of being aware of people's experience of me and then as that if that i feel is changed and yeah. you know you rely on wonderful people in your life to colleagues and and you know family members and certainly my wife is a wonderful um, mirror uh, on, on a lot of aspects um, mm -hmm. but to actually take it to heart and say okay i think i think that we're going too fast and maybe we need to just slow down here and and look at a couple of different aspects, but that, you know, that's something that people, like I said, people in the helping profession, we don't always do. Yeah. Um, we tend to focus and, and not just in the helping profession, parents, um, professionals, um, the daily grind, you know, this <laughs> nobody, nobody sets out of their house in the morning expecting to get into a road rage incident, but it happens every day across this, you know, across this great country. And, and it's people who are just 
they're like a guitar string when they start their day yeah and then something teensy happens and then all of a sudden they snap and so we have to be aware of our own personal levels and be aware that the barometer for that is how people experience us during our day it's not really the the mm -hmm. big crazy incidents that that set that yeah, I, I totally agree. It usually is the small incidents that break the camel's back, as we always say, and, and being aware of where you're at so that that little thing does not break you down yeah. is key. And I love that you talked about your supports, your professional team supports and your personal supports. You know, so key in one, like you said, mirroring and saying, hey, Andrew, like, slow down here, buddy. You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> yep. And which you do. Yep. I mean, that's your that's your style. You love it. Yep. And uh, so when we come back, we'll continue talking with Andrew Middleton, who is the CEO of Shift. And you're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, and we'll be back after this commercial. Welcome back to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm Charlene Pickram, and we are talking with Andrew Middleton, the CEO of Shift. And we were just talking about his journey on how he actually became the owner of Shift. And uh, yeah, it was a little convoluted, but he's all settled now. He's looking for a little, little more foundation. Um, and so to help the listeners understand what is experiential learning, because that's very much what Shift focuses on. Yeah, so we, um, yeah, we, we, we focus on providing experiential learning opportunities. Experiential learning is, 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 is learning by doing. Um, and of course there's textbook definitions and everything, which, you know, which I escape me right now, but <laughs> you, you know, there was to throw it right out there and seem like a superhero. Um, but when you, when you participate in something and as a consequence of that experience, you gain insight into yourself or into your team or your group or the world around you, um, and it, it's hinged upon the belief that experiences are memorable. And I, I mean, I've been, our thing is games and activities and initiative tasks and um, challenges, group challenges that are really tangible. You know, sort of my classic example is you lay a tarp down on the ground, get the whole class of students on it, and you say, okay, without anybody getting off the tarp, flip the tarp. Mm -hmm. And the kids think that you're talking about flip the tarp but the adults know it's all about peer interaction and problem solving skills and communication and leadership and team building and interpersonal skills and and personal space issues and things like that but that that comes in the debrief and so then you you talk about the activity and the kids and the people remember the activities they're tangible yeah. they're fun um and you know i i had an experience where i think i started working in schools in montreal around 2002 and up until we moved to back to Nova Scotia in 2011. Um, so it was a fairly long run of day-to-day yeah, -day grind in school. So you got to see almost a whole generation grow up. And I was working at an alternative high school and uh, I was standing, I was sitting in the principal's office and there's sort of a glass window behind the door and um, you could hear this, you could hear this man, this boy coming down the hallway and he was not happy. It's an alternative <laughs> high school. So, you know, he's stomping and kicking and he's not saying some wonderful words. And, um, and he'd been tossed out of class and he was being walked down by one of the youth care workers to the, to the head teacher's office. And he sits down and, and I'm sitting there talking with my back to the window and the, the head teacher, I keep calling him principal, but he was a head teacher. Head teacher said, uh, he goes, hang on a sec, I have to go deal with Kyle. 
And so he gets up and he opens the door and he says, Kyle, I'm in a meeting, you know, you have to stop. And the kid turns around and then all of a sudden he bangs on the window like four times. And, and the guy, was, the head teacher was like, stop banging in the window. And he goes, no, I want to talk to him. And, <laughs> and I turned around and he goes, Mr. Andrew. Oh. And, and I'm like, and I, and I hadn't, I, I was like, yeah. And he said, are we going to throw eggs off the roof like you did with me before? And anyway, I had, I had apparently worked with him. Mm-hmm. He was 16, 17, and I'd worked with him when he was like eight. Yeah. And there was a kid who remembered this activity where we, we call it the Great Canadian Egg Toss, where you, <laughs> you have to package an egg in such a way and then you biff it off the roof of the school and then yeah. it lands and you don't want it to break. And, you know, this was a child who'd had his own journey, obviously, and found himself in an alternative high school, was still with, you know, emotional regulation issues and challenges surrounding that. But, but he immediately connected and remembered of all the interventions that this child probably has had and all yeah. the support. He remembered the activity. And that, I think, is, is really what's foundational to when we talk about experiential learning is that you're mm-hmm. providing an experience that is tangible and it's memorable. And so when you come down that you, I mean, there was a whole other conversation that, that, was then had yes with yep. the head teacher myself and him about why he was so angry and about that activity we did when you were in grade two mm-hmm. so I, and I wouldn't have known you know no. to say like <laughs> kid we're going to talk about this in seven years and <laughs> you're yeah. going to remember this but that's the power of experiential learning so yeah. we um, weave that across a wide spectrum um, like I said working with the I mean, work with the after-school programs with the, you know, wonderful um, little children to children that are experiencing trauma, to corporate groups, to families, Mm -hmm. um, to just regular people that are looking to improve their their well-being. Um, But I really feel that. And and I think that that came out of um, seeing what I think are just really boring ways of doing it. You know, I've been to Mm -hmm. enough conference presentations and I've sat through it as a, you know, student myself and... You know, it's like I can't look at another person reading a PowerPoint presentation trying to change <laughs> behavior, right? Yeah. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm a very much a hands-on guy, and I wanted to, you know, get up and move, and 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 I'm a playful guy as well. Like yeah, I you wanna, love to have fun. Love to have fun. So there's, and I think particularly when you work with kids, when you start with kids, that we have a belief um, in the company. We call it the four E's that to enlighten the child. Um, you have to educate them. To educate a child, you have to engage them. And to engage a child, you have to entertain them. Mm -hmm. So we start from a place of entertainment and we create an environment that's fun Mm -hmm. and that's enticing. And, you know, whether we're working with a, you know, a really challenging group of high school kids talking about substance abuse and, you know, on a a reserve in the north, um, or you're working with a really rigid, you know, corporate group or you're working with a, you know, like people, people respond to fun. Resistant parents. Yeah. Resistant parents. People respond to fun though. <laughs> yeah. And so then when, once we're, once we're entertained, we're engaged, we're hooked. Yeah. And, and when we're hooked, everything else that follows is actually easier. Um, the education piece, people are more open to learning things about themselves. And then the mm-hmm. enlightenment piece, it's, it, it's not something you can really, it's sort of the lead the horse to water kind of aspect. You can't always see that happening, but I feel that, you, you you have a significantly more impact on being able to enlighten and change someone's ability to look at themselves and see their own actions or behaviors or the way they fit in the world around them for good or for bad or what 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 am I doing that's 
I'm doing right mm -hmm. um, and and what am I doing that I maybe should be adjusting but to do that if I just you know sit down and say sit you know it's two o'clock in the afternoon sit down in your chair and, and we're going to talk about that not everybody responds to that no I didn't respond well to that <laughs> <laughs> anxiety level 110 it was always worse in my mind than it was when I was spoken to my father was the best at it because he would get up in the morning and he'd say, you better be home when I get home after work because we're going to have a conversation. And by the time he got home, he wouldn't say anything to me, but all day I had stewed. The lesson was already laid there. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but yeah, so experimental learning is very much, I mean, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it is, we used it in child and youth care all the time in the classroom. That's how we learned about ourselves, how we learned about our teams and the importance of team. Um, and, and so it's so great to, one, hear you explain what experiential learning is because when people hear learning, a lot of the time the boundary goes up, you know, because they're thinking traditional learning, school yeah. learning. And, and traditional is definitely not what we do at all. Yeah. Um, and, and so you guys have had the opportunity to actually go out and work in the schools, which is very unusual here in Nova Scotia <laughs> to have that opportunity, yeah. um, and, and have had success. It's been fun. Um, it's been a, it's been a long slog to try and work within the Nova Scotia school system. And, and most of our school programs unfortunately don't happen in this province um but we continue to to try and change that because it's a hugely intrinsic motivation for me yeah. uh, as a parent and as a resident and as a um, you know as a nova scotian um but yeah we've had some really fun opportunities um and not always in a sort of an intervention or corrective based sort of manner mm. um you know some of it is very strength-based and and you know they want to talk about leadership development and we want to talk about um, welcoming um, aspects of it or closing aspects you know we, yeah. we were involved with one uh, school in the province that was closing and so they wanted to kind of go out with a bang mm. which was a lot of fun <laughs> so we did a big full day with all of the all, the whole school yeah um, yeah so we um, you know I think that I think that we we exist for the you know sort of the non-traditional or or, or people that in, you know teachers in particular that say okay I want something different for this group mm. of students um, or we you know, we, we've tried a few things and it's not necessarily working. Yeah. Um, and they see us as a, as a really fun alternative and the significant majority of, of, you know, schools that have booked with us have repeatedly booked with us and have called us back. Yeah. Um, and those, uh, you know, principals that are willing to, to take a chance on, on something that's new. So it's, mm -hmm. I, it's still very much my passion is school based programs and supports. I love it. I think yeah. that it's cause you, you, you know, when you look at a group of 25 or 27 kids in a classroom, you know, 22 of those kids never, ever get anybody giving any level of professional support because they've never had any identified needs and they're not, yeah. you know, it's not, it's the squeaky wheel sort of aspect. And they thrive when they get those opportunities provided mm -hmm. right in front of them. And yeah. 
you know, it was actually, it was at a youth care conference and I've, I've never been able to remember who said this, but um, it, it was a, a woman that was a keynote. I always think it's um, Lorraine oh, uh, Fox, Fox oh, but I, love I, Lorraine I don't Fox. know if it's Lorraine, yeah. but um, he said, never underestimate how much leadership it takes to be the worst behaved kid in class. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. so you take, you, 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 if you have the right environment that you create, that you give a lens to, to have those children to say, you are an incredible leader. Mm-hmm. You have incredible power in this class and you don't need to be whipping erasers at heads and causing havoc for your for your teachers to, to obtain that yeah, and look what just happened. And then you identify it with the kids and it's very powerful, not only for that child, but for the teacher as well to turn mm. around and say, wow, this kid is actually really skilled. And, and the classmates yeah. as well to turn around and say like, if it wasn't for Brandon or John or whoever, if it wasn't for your leadership, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish what we just accomplished. And so I, yeah. I love that. We don't get to do enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but that, that is really foundational to what we do. Yeah. And, and so for me, from my perspective, it's social and emotional intelligence development Mm -hmm. and which is my passion. So that's why I love your program. Um, and, and it's just about providing different opportunities to allow for different perspectives to see each other and yourself in a different way outside of the mold that society has really created for us in these hierarchical structures that we have in society and so thinking out of the box is what it's all about and and uh so many opportunities to do that if you have the right person come in with the right mindset to implement it and it's the debriefing which is the big it's it's what happens during it and that's you know that's one of the one of the areas where we feel that we really bring the right spin on things is that there's a lot of people that come in to do play-based you know mm-hmm. interventions and we're going to or we'll take you to um you know some of the infrastructure that's around here we're going to go you know ro- climbing on ropes or we're going to go you know <laughs> and there and there's some merit to it right you know yeah. as a corp- corporate group we're going to go rip around on go-karts or something like that but it's to be able to sit down and say after the fact mm-hmm. what just happened and mm. how are you feeling when that happened? And how has your perspective changed? And what lens were you looking at that through? And that's the that the soft side of things, which I think is foundational to child and youth care practice and working in the helping profession um, therapeutically is that that's what you're doing is you're constantly reflecting it back on the person to say, mm. tell me how that experience impacted you. And yeah. that's something that's not always done. Um, and, and even though the, 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 the people may be hugely engaged, it's not always, it's not always done. Mm, Yeah. And, and so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about more, uh, about experiential learning and what can be gotten out of it. If you do proper debriefing, you're listening to mental health. Let's talk about it. And we'll be back after this break. Thanks for staying tuned into CIOE 97.5 FM Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, and we've been talking with Andrew Middleton, who is the CEO of Shift, and we were just talking about experiential learning and the benefits that it has for all ages. It doesn't matter. Littles to bigs. And... So, you know, you provide training to others, but you also have employees. Mm-hmm. So what's, I guess, who do you hire? Yeah. Why do you hire them? Or what do you hire them for? And what kind of training or support do you provide them for their mental health? So we, um, 
We've grown ex really rapidly. Um, we became the operators of all residential youth care homes in Nunavut. And we recruit um, child, predominantly child and youth care practitioners um, from across the country um, to fly in and work in the north yeah. um, and work on, on contract. Um, we also have people around Halifax that work um, with families, they work individually, um, and then we have our core office staff. Yeah. Work up north is, is really challenging, and mm -hmm. I would never, I've done it myself, um, I spent a great deal of time working in the high Arctic um, as a contracted child and youth care worker when I was in Montreal. Yeah. Um, it's isolating, um, it could be terrifying at times, um, it's challenging, you're dealing with um, multi-generational trauma, you're dealing with um, children who have been, I mean, in some cases, 15, 20, 25 foster placements within mm. a short number of years. Um, and that really creates a, a, a challenge. And we yeah. had one, um, one staff said, this is the Super Bowl of youth care um, when they <laughs> went up north. And, <laughs> Amen. And I think that that's not <laughs> far off. So, um, but when you come back, and that's really, it's, it's helping people to make sense of the experience that they've just had, um, mm -hmm. because I don't want, I don't want to be traumatizing our staff just as much as, as the children that they're working with have been traumatized. Exactly. And when you take someone from, you know, and I'm just randomly plucking cities out of my head, but from Red Deer or from Charlottetown or from Stephenville, and then you put them in an, a place that's completely foreign. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I've been up North. I don't even know how many times I've been to the Arctic. It's it's in the it's in the dozens, but you know it's a familiar land for me when I land. I get off the yeah. plane and I know what I'm seeing. I know it. it the layout of the, of the oh, land yeah. now. Most, most communities they, they don't look the same, but there's a lot of similarities. Yes. In the communities and um, and and so you kind of it's as we call it northern eyes versus southern eyes. Like I have achieved northern eyes, so when I go up north, I look through the north through northern eyes. But when yeah. you go up north and you look through the north through southern eyes, it, a lot of things don't make sense. Nope. And, and so when our staff come back, particularly if they've had a rough ride, and you know we have kids who like, are, are highly traumatized who have, who have gotten accustomed to being shunted from home to home to home to home to mm. home, um, and, and therefore they have a pre sort of an expectation of how adults are going to engage with them. And then when our staff come in and they, you know, we work from a trauma informed lens. So we want to change the, the pattern and the, and you know, the, the narrative that's in their head of what caring adults look like and do. Exactly. So, um, but they react to that. And so there's been physical outbursts. There's been emotional outbursts. We've had, I mean, I think we've had the full gamut. We've had staff leave. Um, we've had, um, you know, people have to be asked to leave, um, uh, mm -hmm. because they respond differently. But I, w the big thing that we've learned is, is, is healthy, healthy staff have healthy kids. And, yeah. and so it's almost as imperative, if not more imperative to support the staff's well being when they're doing that job. It's the, you know, when the oxygen masks come down from the plane, <laughs> you put your own on before you put your kids on and, and yeah. that's really where we've had to focus. And that was an awakening for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as, as I, my role has, has shifted and has grown and, and we've grown our team that that's something that we've spent more time on that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, and I, and I guess this is when we talk about sort of your, your experiences. Like I, I had gone through that journey, 
years ago, but it become second hat for me. But then mm. you forget that other people who are from Red Deer or Charlottetown or Stephenville have never had that. And so yeah. it can be quite jarring. And then when you add a really intense work, um, you know, working very long hours with extremely challenging youth that I don't want people to come back with, um, you know, <laughs> with some sort of negative connection with the North or with yeah. a negative memory or, or a fear, you know, feeling of failure, um, recognizing that, you know, you can only do what you can do mm-hmm. in the time frame that you've been given. And, yeah. and that's a hard reality for some of us in the field who want to stay till the bitter end. But, you know, you're a, you're a smidgen in that child's journey, which mm-hmm. started many years before you arrived in the scene and will continue many years before yeah. you've left. Um, but it's all about if I can, if we can do like with that with Kyle, if we can do something like that where they remember something, mm-hmm. and you know we've certainly uh, we recently just got actually got a Facebook message from a former youth oh, uh, nice. from yeah from the home out west who who he said it was hard but it's st- it's stabilized yeah um, you know and and that's the aspect. But with our staff, so we. Um, we have open channels of communication between our mm-hmm. clinical managers and our clinical therapists and our frontline staff. Um, we do, uh, we, we call them pre-briefs. I don't know if that's a real word, but we use it. <laughs> but we call them pre-briefs and debriefs. So, after, you know, prior to them going up, it's making yeah. them aware of, of what's going on. And then when it's coming back, it's, it's, it's helping them to unload and mm-hmm. decompress um, with their situation. Um, it's helping people recognize when this is not the right environment yeah, and I think that's another. It, it's and and we've had people that I, I mean I've I've worked with. I know there are people that we've we've had that have been phenomenal that have gone up north and found themselves in their own mental health crisis as a result just of the isolation and the intensity and the mm-hmm. and, and the burnout level on the job. So it's that is never lost on us. Yeah, um, I think our staff are superheroes for doing what they do. I regular, love the superheroes. Yeah. I feel like you should have a cape or something running around, <laughs> and because that's because uh, I spent two weeks yep. up up in yep. Iqaluit, and um, as a seasoned child and youth care practitioner. And loved the experience, but yes, it took me a long time to process. I went right to stage one child and youth care worker, for sure, when I arrived there. Um, And because it was all about the psychological safety, I I was out of my realm, out of the culture, but I loved the experience. You could have never... Um, gained that perspective or awareness of self anywhere else, doing anything else. Yeah, well, it's in, it's intense. I mean, yeah. you get you get ten years of youth care experience in six months, right? Mm. Like it's um, uh, up there in the you know the because it, and it's not just the kids; it's it's the entire ecosystem that you're working in. It's and the team it's the, because you're yeah. working with locals as well. You're working, yeah, you're working with people with, with good hearts, but they haven't had the formalized training to know. Yeah. Um, certainly when you talk about the more hard skills of the job, the physical interventions or the mm. critical debriefing skills, like, and so sometimes it's, that's where the isolation comes in. Yeah. Um, yeah Support so. in the community, police officers, the yeah. hospital staff. I mean, the RCMP were amazing up there for us when yeah. I was there. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, but frankly, that's not always the case. No, um, it's not. You know, and that's, uh, um, you know, we've nurtured a great relationship with the RCMP in our communities. But again, we don't, you know, it's a, it's a delicate balance. And so mm-hmm. you have 
staff who, for example, that's, you know, they've been assaulted by a child and, yeah. and the RCMP have been called in the RCMP are saying, okay, do you want to charge them? Mm-hmm. And what a, I mean, what a debate in your brain that all of a sudden goes on between you mm-hmm. saying like, okay, I don't, I know that this child is in our care because they need this and they're lashing out because of their trauma. It's not, you know, Lorraine Fox is the problems mm-hmm. kids cause are not the cause of kids problems. Right. Yeah. And, and so we have to fixate on, on the problems that, that, you know, that, that they have. It's not the problems that they're mm-hmm. creating because that's just a maladaptive coping mechanism yeah. and that's just noise. It's what they know. Yeah, it's what they know. It's dogs barking and it's, you know, it's traffic noise and it's just, it, it, it is part of, of the narrative of, of, of the way that they get through their day. But it, you know, it puts, it puts people in an ethical dilemma. And I think that, much so. that, that where they feel their values are being compromised and it becomes a very challenging environment. And then when they, when they come home, they wrestle with, could I have done more or, or mm. did I do enough or did I harm or did I help? And is this the right place? And you such know, great questions, yeah. but very challenging questions. Yeah. If you don't have somebody else who understands or has experienced it, that you can communicate with. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time talking um, and debriefing and mm-hmm. listening to. Um, and what's interesting is that our, our you know, and I, I really mm-hmm. value like our, our, our managers and our, they've all been up there yes. and everyone has, has, has done time. Uh, I hate to use that term, but they've done time in the North and they've, and they've been in the North and they've not only that, but they've worked in, they've worked in residential care. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, 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 I've done the hours, right? Like I've, I've been a floor youth, I've sat in the overnights and, you know, dead (laughs) sevens and like that, that, that sort of life gives you an authenticity that allows you to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of help people debrief it. But yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, and it's not always focused and those who are in the helping profession often help themselves last, which yes. is really unfortunate yeah. um, because self-care is so significant. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really encourage um, people on our team to, to, to take the time that they need um, amid this crazy schedule, yeah. um, you know, get out, uh, uh, you know, go for a walk, go experience. Don't lose sight that you are experiencing for our staff up North. You are, you are going to a place that, three quarters of Canadians only read about, right? Yeah. So take advantage of it, right? Experience the culture. It's beautiful up there and it's a wonderful place. Um, you just have to be able to step away from what your professional obligations are and go and, and, and be granted permission to go and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with, I'm a big proponent for here in Halifax in our, in our office here, I'm a big proponent of, of, of a healthy work-life balance. Um, I, you know, I don't think that it's, fair that we have to pick between our kids field trips and work mm-hmm. you know and that you know that aspect of it so I support we support our staff to um, to live a healthy life and take care of themselves and you know don't come to work sick and if your child yeah. you know if your four-year-old is <laughs> is up all night you're you're not you're not well at work like yeah your family first your child comes first your you know our to maintain a healthy life comes first mm-hmm. um you know we celebrate our job we laugh a lot in the office yes. <laughs> um you know it's not easy it's not always easy what we do some of what we do is a lot of is a lot of fun um yeah. and we you know we live for those moments um and it's been interesting to be able to sit in in the chair to to guide and craft an organization as it's grown it's hard because you're, you know, the rapid speed that that mm. growth has come with. But that's yeah. something that I've always 
wanted is to say how do we create the best culture as an organization that's supportive of people mm -hmm. and recognizing that the work that we're asking people to do is not easy yeah um, and so how do you create the scaffolds and supports for them to be able to to do their job effectively to have well at the same time having a really positive work-life balance so that mm -hmm. what i'm asking them to do isn't negatively impacting their lives there's too many employers that run people right through um through the ringer um yeah. all you know you know when they don't necessarily have to um so yeah it's about creating a good culture it's about recognizing the realities that your employees and your staff are going through it's about providing the scaffolds and supports and the validation that they you know mm -hmm. that they need to be able to speak um to their experiences and 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 working from a strength-based uh, perspective to support them um, when they're experiencing challenges and to not just sort of look at, at your team as disposable. Love um, it. Because we yeah. are not disposable. No, no, we're so, not. So yeah. when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Andrew Middleton from Shift. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment, and this is CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. In the final segment of Mental Health, let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. I'm going to continue my conversation with Andrew Middleton, the CEO of Shift. And we were just talking about the importance of supporting our child and youth care practitioners in the job that we do and creating a mentally healthy culture. And, and I think that the fact that, one, you've been a child and youth care worker for many years, you've worked in many different settings, and many of your, I guess, in office employees or child and youth care practitioners or um, psychiatrists, you have a psychiatrist or psychologist? Or clinical therapist, yeah. Clinical therapist um, helps you with that process because you're willing to challenge one another. Yeah. Especially yeah. your group. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, it was funny. Um, I went to a leadership conference and they said that uh, you should, as leaders, you should surround yourself um, with no people, not with yes people. And mm -hmm. I came back to the office and told everybody that and they all started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a team full of no people, Andrew. Yeah, well, yeah. for sure. I mean, you know, some of the CEOs that I work with, the reason why they have the perspective they that they do is because they have surrounded themselves with individuals who only say yes and blow smoke, mm -hmm. right? And And so therefore they they start to perceive an unre un it's unrealistic. And so you have to help them understand that not everybody is out there for their best interests. And so surrounding yourself with people who will say no and challenge you is so important. Because how else would you grow? Right. I believe you hire people smarter than you and get out of their way. <laughs> That's what you do. And, I, and I've surrounded myself with people who are fantastic at what they do. Yeah. Um, and I'm in awe of what they do. And it allows me the time to come and talk to you and, and you know, look at, look at new developments and new sort of areas, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and that's, that is where your strength is. Would you agree? I, yeah, I'm a creator. You I'm are a, a creator. I'm a creator. Idea. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we certainly learn who's, you know, where your straights are. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not great at the sort of intricate planning and, mm -hmm. um, you know, slowing down and putting things on paper and then 
you know, writing a cookbook and then cooking it to the, <laughs> to the thing, right? So I, I like to create, I like to innovate. Um, I love to respond to really challenging, complex issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what the hallmark of what we do is, is, is it's creative responses to really complex issues. Yeah. Um, like how do you, how do you work with highly traumatized young people from the high Arctic mm-hmm. or how do we, um, you know, provide supports to a family that's living in a very rural part of Nova Scotia? Um, Or how do you talk to a group of high school students about substance abuse when they have rejected everybody that's ever come in, right? So, like, I love that. I love Mm -hmm. when someone calls me and they say, "Uh, where do I even start? And I'll say, (laughs) just lay it out. Like, where are you at? And and they often, this very convoluted path of, uh, you know, conversation later, then suddenly we, we arrive at where the problem lies. And then Mm -hmm. I say, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's knock it out of the park. And then, um, and that's where we've assembled a fantastic team of people who, um, have that foundation of theory and understanding, which so helps you develop the objectives of your programs. So they're effective and, and age appropriate, (laughs) which we so often, sometimes see is that, you know, individuals go into um, a specific environment and they use the same technique that they use somewhere else. It doesn't often work. It has to be that, again, uniqueness. And then in the debriefing, how do you relate it to what they know? Yeah, you, so need a, you need a giant toolbox because every group is different and every day is different. Yeah. You know, every, I, I've I said this in a few um, keynotes is, is uh, kids are like rivers. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the problem with why rivers are unsafe to drink from because <laughs> you don't know what's coming down the river. Yeah. Right? You don't yeah. know. I don't know if a cow has suddenly... <laughs> beaver fever, beaver everybody. Fever, yeah. You know, and so, and that's that's the thing is that you'll dip water out of a river and then you'll dip water right away and the water's not the same. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it, you, you, there's no predictability. And that's what I love about kids. That's what I love about groups. What I love about working with people mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, Monday's one thing, Tuesday's another. And, <laughs> you know, you have to, and if, and if your only tool is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. And... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, and there's a lot of people in the helping field that don't have a very big toolbox and the, and so things are, when they, when they sort of fall within the alley, it's wonderful. But then when Mm. they start to get to the outsides, they start to realize that I don't have any other skills and that's where they get frustrated. Um, Yeah. So we, we pride ourselves in getting creative. Yeah, exactly. And you love the dance. Love it. Love it. (laughs) So what's in your and shifts future? Wow. Um, uh, we're looking to see, I mean, we're looking to see where we can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we returned from the Bahamas um, uh, about a month ago, which is an amazing place to go. Yeah, I was a, a little jealous. On a work trip. Send um, me there next time, <laughs> will you? <laughs> um, but certainly down there from, um, you know, looking at, at uh, supports for residential care that's being offered down, down there, uh, training and development, um, and also... Um, interpersonal support for uh, what's what is a thriving financial sector down there, mm-hmm. um, but which is um, you know it's, it, it needs needs support. So yeah. you know, looking international about ways that we can work, um, broadening um, uh, nationally across the country to to really sort of uh, increase the scope of school-based services that we're delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, 
certainly getting me out of the office a little bit more. Um, I <laughs> like I love doing keynotes and love doing presentations, so doing a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, looking at the creation of a um, of a of a of a, of a a place here in Halifax, a challenge and adventure center, mm. um, where we can apply our unique um, approach for groups. And instead of sort of being the kind of the, the roaming person yes. working out of a bag all the time to instead have a place where people can come mm. um, and making it a bit more outdoor education focused and, and, you know, but incorporating aspects of challenge-based learning into maybe do some retreats, perhaps maybe do some retreats, perhaps. Mm. Um, and no, but, but also, you know, like let's get, let's get muddy. Like, you know, like oh, yeah. climbing, climbing cargo nets above a mud hole. And, and so things like that, mm -hmm. but pairing that with, really progressive and good debriefing. Um, uh, you know, uh, I've, we've talked for ages about uh, after-school care. Um, mm. You know, I, I think that a lot of after-school care is um, geared for the younger age bracket, but it's when they hit about 10, 9, that they start to get bored to tears. And so then yeah. parents are forced to abandon their um, belief that your child shouldn't be home alone at that age because their kid has got a really persuasive <laughs> argument that Turnkey yeah, to stay home, right? Yeah. But then they end up on their iPad for three hours yeah. and that's, you know, it's a missed opportunity. So looking at that, um, training and development, um, mm. certainly that's a big area where we're, where we're growing into, um, corporate team building as well. Um, we've, we've had the opportunity to work, um, around the province with a couple of groups recently and, that's a lot of fun, yeah, um, and that's a different. Is. It's a different environment, and uh, that's something that we're looking at doing a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so it's. I, I think what what it is generally with us is, we were Atlantic Youth. Um, we were fixated on youth, predominantly in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, and we started to say, okay, where else can we look? And so now we've landed on human services, and experiential learning. So like mm -hmm. we say, it's anywhere that a positive experience can have a positive impact on a person. Yeah. That's where we're at. And if we can facilitate it, if we can support it, if we can guide it, if we can create it, um, we are, that's why the, the team, we're experience makers, we're makers. That's mm -hmm. what we are. Makers are typically artisans, they're craftspeople, they're, you know, they're, they're chefs, they're, you know. Creative. Yeah, they're the creative types. We're the same way, but we're fixated on the human experience and interaction. Um, with people and, and how do you create create the conditions where people can discover their greatness? That's what we that's what meeting we say. them where they're at. Meeting them where they're at, um, and helping them realize that they're we're you know we're we're still pretty awesome as people. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's there's a lot of things in the pipeline. It's a busy time um, mm -hmm. for us. Um, it's, frankly, it's a little terrifying at times um, to be <laughs> to be doing things, but it's I, I think it's really exciting. Um, mm -hmm. And we're still firmly in the camp of kids. We are not walking away from any of that. Um, I think we do phenomenal work. Uh, I think our work in provision of residential care services and operations of residential care facilities is, 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 is phenomenal. Um, I'd like to see us involved more in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a shame that we fly our staff to the other side of the country um, to do work when we could be doing a lot here. Mm -hmm. um, we're underutilized. Um, yeah. You know, we have absolutely no wait list right now. Like parents can contact and, and get service the next day. Mm. Um, so how, how would they contact you? Because you also have a beautiful new 
location. We do have some nice digs. We, yeah. uh, we, we decided that an ocean view was needed. <laughs> Actually, we didn't decide that. It just happened <laughs> that way. No, we have a beautiful building. We're out in St. Margaret's Bay. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, if anyone out there were the big purple building next to the yellow church in Boudelers Point, so <laughs> people you out can't there, miss it. yeah, people out there would be like, I know exactly what building that is. Um, no, we're out there. Um, that's you know, we've been really fortunate to be able to have that space. Um, it's still a bit of a construction zone, but we're mm -hmm. we're muddling through, um, and uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of changes um, that, that are coming. The, the the company is is in a bit of a transitional mode, so we're still yeah. sort of Atlantic Youth and still sort of shift. Um, um, you know, I think that people probably can get the best aspect through AtlanticYouth.ca um, until our new site is launched, which I hope to have by mm -hmm. you know by mid mid August. We hope to have that online. Um, and your phone number? Nine zero two eight two zero one two three four. Pretty okay. easy to remember. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank the you. The first for day me. back after your vacay. <laughs> first day back. This is a great way to jump back in. Excellent. Well, you've been listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I am your host, Charlene Pickram, and I want to thank Luke Ettinger for producing today's show. Be well.